The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Welcome to Mind Body Pause with Charlie Kale, holistic living for you and your animals. You found your happy place to nurture your connection to animals with enlightening information from the innovators who make their world a better place. This is Mind Body Pause on Empower Radio. Now, here's your host, fellow animal lover, Charlie Kale. Hi, welcome to Mind Body Pause, holistic living for you and your animals. The inaugural edition, this is the first show. So thank you so much for being here. And thank you, Brent Carey, CEO of Empower Radio, for lighting my fire and making this happen. I'm Charlie Kale, mom to five animals and a Reiki practitioner in San Francisco, energy healing for people and paws. I work remotely as well as in person because energy transcends space and time. And there's more about all of that at charliekale.com. That's C-H-A-R-L-Y-K-A-Y-L-E.com. This show is to honor animals, dispel myths, bring about awareness, enlightenment, even uncover scams. And we are going to nurture our connection to animals mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. So right now, let's focus on the physical, how preventative care is destroying our pets. We're just trying to keep our animals healthy, but we're actually putting them on the straight path to chronic disease when we inadvertently over-vaccinate, feed them toxic diets, administer certain prescriptions, or use pesticide-laden flea and tick products, and so much more. I mean, we don't know. We're just trying to do what we're told. So Thank goodness for our guest who's hanging out in the green room right now, Dr. Will Falconer. Dr. Falconer is an educator and certified veterinary homeopath based in Austin, Texas, who is on the forefront of holistic, natural, and effective animal care. He's the founder of Vital Animal, the natural path, found at vitalanimal.com where you can join the pack and get a plethora of eye-opening information on the health of your animal. And he's one of my heroes for speaking up and out against Big Pharma and all the other entities out there damaging our pets' health. So let's just get to this. Dr. Falconer, thank you so much for being here. Oh, my pleasure, Charlie. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. So you've been a vet for almost 40 years, and you say that it became quite clear to you that the majority of illness, and in people too, is man-made, and it came about from all of our preventative health care measures. Yeah, it was pretty eye-opening, and I, I had to have gone through a number of years of being a holistic vet to kind of have my eyes open to it. But what became clear maybe eight or 10 years ago by now, I guess, is that if we compare our domestic animals, like the dog to the wolf and the cat to the bobcat, which are near, near relatives, in fact, the wolf and the dog probably share 99% genetic overlap, according to some studies, we see a very different picture of health and disease. In our pets these days, the common diseases are all chronic meaning they stretch out over time. They can last for years or even a lifetime. And we don't see those same diseases in the wolf. Wolves don't get arthritis. Wolves don't die of heart disease. Wolves don't get hypothyroidism. You know, all things that are now very common in dogs. And we're seeing more of them as the years go by. So over the decades, I've now seen diabetes become very common in pets. And it was rare and, and kind of almost quirky in vet school. We had two 
brother and sister beagles in the clinic who were donated to us at the University of Missouri to study about diabetes. And, oh, heck, my first decade of practice, I never saw another case of diabetes, and there was never another one in vet school. And that's common now. And hyperthyroidism in cats, well, bobcats don't get hyperthyroidism, nor did our domestic cats prior to... Oh, I don't know, the last 25 years or so, and now it's very common. So I just started slowly putting these pieces together and realized that it was really man-made disease, and it's, it's nothing inherent to the species. It didn't fall from the sky and, you know, drop on some poor dog and not another one. It came about by intervention with most often conventional medicine in the name of prevention, as ironic as that is. I know. Here we are trying to do the best thing we can for our animals. And then, and we can't blame ourselves as I've been doing because I have a cat with diabetes, another cat with kidney issues. I have a dog who close to the wolves. She's a German shepherd and she's uh-huh. got arthritis. So, and here I adore my babies and have been trying to do the best things. But in the past, I followed what conventional vets prescribed for me to do. And I don't do that anymore. Yeah, good for you. It's a, it's a really big step. And, it, and it's counterintuitive at first until you, you start to look back a bit and say, you know, if you're over 50, like we are probably, and you, you can look back and say, how are my pets growing up? Did they have anything like the illnesses that they do now? And the answer is always no. I I grew up with four different dogs over my my childhood from about age nine till vet school, and I moved away. And none of them had much in the way of chronic illness, and, and now that's the norm. And did we vaccinate or neuter or give a bunch of flea pills and poisons back then? No, we we didn't. We weren't told to, we saw the vet, you know, rarely when maybe something was wrong. I kind of vaguely remember one dog getting glanced by a car, you know, and kind of going into the vet, but he was okay. He didn't get, you know, hurt badly or broken bones or anything, but we weren't pushed to get all these vaccines that are now, believe it or not, some 40% of my conventional colleagues are pushing on people to do it annually. And there's just no science to that. It's a moneymaker. It is. Yeah. That's it, it. It's estimated to be 30 to 40% of the income bottom line for conventional vets. So, yeah, it's, it's something you have to take with a, a certain grain of skepticism and say, now, do the immunologists say that Im- immunity runs out at one year? No. Do they say it runs out at three years like a gas tank? No, they don't. They say it probably lasts for life, and they've said so for decades. So for most people, if they've got an animal who's already been vaccinated and that animal is now an adult, the the best answer is just to say, what do you mean do? I'm, I'm not going to buy that argument. He's not due. He's got immunity likely for life. Exactly. So... What do you do in a case, though, if you're flying with an animal and they demand updated shot documentation or still some animal daycare centers want shot documentation? And I don't 
my animals all got their vaccines when I, you know, at the shelter because all, all my animals are adopted. And so uh -huh. after that, I said, I was reading up on this and I said, okay, that's enough. They got what they needed and, or possibly, you know, more than they needed. They're not getting any more. What do you do though in cases where people demand the documentation of updated shots? Well, it depends on the situation, and, and a lot of it is owning first interiorly the, the reality. So that's why I'm spending so much time teaching these days, is to, to help people understand from my blog, from my courses, that immunity lasts a long time. So say the immunologists who don't sell vaccines. And once you own that, it becomes easier. You, you get the confidence that comes with knowledge, and you either seek out alternatives, like uh, rather than going to a groomer who demands your quote-unquote up-to-date on the shots, you get someone to come to the house or you learn to do it yourself. The, you know, that, that just takes that problem right out of the, right out of the uh, equation. And boarding facilities, I've written letters for my clients' pets for years saying, this is a patient of mine. I'm treating... Uh, Samantha for allergic skin disease, and that is um, not healthy enough to get more shots. And she's had shots and therefore should be immune, according to the immunologists, and I usually quote them in the letter. And I further go on to say something like, she's no risk to anyone by commingling with people or other animals, and I sign it with my DVM. And they put that on file, and they're, they're happy to take Samantha in every time she needs boarding. So finding a holistic or a homeopathic vet as someone who can write a letter for you is, is another strategy. Travel is, a, is, I'm told, getting a little more difficult these days with airlines kind of getting on the wrong footing as well. And what, they, what they've demanded for years but rarely checked was a health certificate. And that's a, that's a valid thing. A health certificate just says this animal is well. Mm -hmm for travel. You can check a box that says needs to be in the cabin or is okay in, um, you know, the checked area for pets, um, but uh, signed by the, by the DVM on a form that says healthy enough to travel and, you know, examine this animal within 10 days of travel. And typically what I've done in the past is just put down the prior rabies vaccination um, on the record, whether that was six years ago or whatever it was. And most times that would fly right through. And I think that probably will still work in the majority of cases. All they typically want to do is make sure you've got your, your papers. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's illegal or probably, you know, against the rules to just, you know, show up at the airport with an unannounced animal. Um, they don't have um, facilities to take you on board. But a health certificate's easy. Any of that can write one. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good to know. I don't fly with my animals, especially if I would have to put my German Shepherd in cargo. No way. And uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I drive if she has to go somewhere. But can sure. you touch on the toxic? toxicity of the diets that so many people think are healthy for their animals, whether it's from uh, pretty good marketing jobs that are lying and deceiving, <laughs> <laughs> or if it's myths or, or whatever it is, but they're, oh my gosh, it's, it's so sad, the diets that people are, are shelling out a lot of money for thinking it's mm. really good stuff, and it's not. 
Yeah, we, we unfortunately bought into a lot of myths around feeding pets years and years ago when when the dog food industry really started to take off. And I, last count I looked at, it was well over $2 billion a year in the U.S., and I think it's it's probably closer to 10 now, if not over. But one of them was this myth of 100% nutritionally complete diet in a bag. <laughs> you know, and that's common. And, and I was just writing a lesson for some of my students that are going monthly with me studying homeopathy. And I was recalling that back in the day, Science Diet, which is, a you know, a well-known brand and everybody kind of bows and, and scrapes to them as somehow the the ones that know how to do it right. Back in the day, they discovered animals were getting um, heart disease, both cats and dogs, um, from a deficiency, feeding this 100% nutritionally complete, supposedly, diet in a bag. And after some study, they figured out it was missing L-carnitine, which is an amino acid that's present in every raw meat out there, but when you cook it under tremendous heat and pressure like they do to make a kibble or these chunks of food-like particles, as one of my colleagues calls them, <laughs> um, they lose the carnitine. And so these animals were, um, you know, thought to be in the best shape possible, and yet they were dying of some of these diseases. And it, came down to say, oh, we've got to add carnitine to make this diet really complete after, you know, selling for several years and having animals die from it. So that's just one of several. And we, we tend to get kind of overshadowed by looking at a label on these diets and thinking, well, I could never make anything close to that. Look at this long list of ingredients, some of which I can't even pronounce. And what is a byproduct anyway? And wh what is this thing called um, ethoxyquin and um, cholecalciferol? And where would I get that at a grocery store? You know, it sounds like too much. Therefore, I'm just going to give up and, and buy the bag that looks the, the best or, you know, sounds the most sciencey or that my vet recommends. And the, the common thread across all these bags of food is that they are extremely devitalized. There are no real, um, you know, the, the, new, <laughs> the nutrient profile that, that it looks like it should be that you're giving to your dog when you look at the pretty pictures on the label. looks like, wow, it's like raw steak is in there and green beans and, and peas and, you know, you see all these beautiful pictures. And yet, when you start doing the label detective work, you realize uh, the reality that's in the kibble is far from those fresh foods. Nothing at all like them. Oh, and even if they were fresh foods, which they're not, even if they were, it's been cooked to death. So all the nutrients have been exactly. cooked out. And if they exactly. add synthetic nutrients back in, that's not natural. That's not always healthy, and their bodies don't always absorb that. Exactly and that's, right. Yeah, and that's not even nothing, touching nothing on the like, fact that. Sorry. No, it, it's exactly right. It, it's not even touching on the toxic ingredients. I think you were probably going to say. Oh yeah, the rendered, um, diseased, you know, the gross stuff that we don't talk about that actually gets put in these, in these foods. It's really horrible and yeah. sad and eye-opening when people people don't realize that. 
they think these companies have their best interest at heart, but so many of them do have just their pocketbooks at heart. And that's one yeah, thing I love really about my vetch. She does not have any of those kibble or those cans from those, you know, the, the, those companies claiming to make a special prescription diet for the animal. She does not have those lining her waiting room at all because I won't feed my animals those. But when, <laughs> when vets are taught in medical school and veterinary school that those are healthy alternatives for animals, then they truly are thinking they're giving good advice. They don't even know the truth. Well, we got so little nutrition training in four years of vet school, you wouldn't believe it, uh, Charlie. So, uh, for example, the, the most I remember was a couple of afternoons in probably our second year before we entered into clinical training with a representative from, guess who? Hill's Prescription the Diet Science Company. Diet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, saying, well, this is easy, you guys. If you've got kidney diet, uh, you can handle all the kidney disease that's going to come your way. So that's KD. And if you've got uh, digestive troubles, you just give them the ID, that stands for intestinal diet, and DD if they've got itchy skin, because that's our derm diet. And so that's about it. We we were just um, trained, if you can call it that, to give certain things for certain conditions. And we never really learned about what real nutrition was, and we we never spoke about the digestive systems and how they line up with the digestive systems of the wild cousins. Nothing like a, a wolf would eat. Obviously, they don't come across a bowl of kibble in the forest. And yet, that's what we left school with. So what do we and feed our animals? What's that? What do we feed our animals? Well, the, the thing that I, I think a lot of us tend to forget is that we can come close to something akin to prey by thinking a little bit about what prey is made of. So let's just look at, say, a, a wolf bringing down a caribou. You know, the pack is out hunting as they, as they are on a regular basis. And what is that caribou made of? Well, it's more than just muscle meat. So you, you would never go to the grocery store and get a get a pound of hamburger and say, I've got complete raw food here. Let's, let's eat, uh, Doug. Here's your, here's your chow. They would have bone eaten as well. They would have some organs in there, a lesser percentage, maybe 10 or 20% organs. And they would have a little bit of vegetation, but certainly nowhere near 50%. So we can mock things up close to that, those percentages, mostly meat and bone, lesser amount of organs and a, and a very small amount of really finely ground, um, you know, uh, digested, uh, semi-digested uh, vegetable matter, like some greens. What would caribou be eating while well, they'd be feeding on grass and they will have semi-digested it in their rumen before they are, were killed by the wolf. So we can mock things like that up. And for those who are just starting and, and not quite ready to plunge into, um, you know, making homemade food, it can be as simple as just taking a kibble that's a really healthy one, you know, doing your due diligence on the label detective work and avoiding things like byproducts and toxic preservatives that you can't pronounce and 
things like BHA and BHT, and add some fresh stuff to it. So that's a that's for years what I've called a B plus plan. It's a it's a huge step up from just feeding a bowl of kibble every day like I grew up doing. I mean, we we didn't know any better. We fed Purina dog chow every day, day in day out. I know. And our dogs survived. You know, they weren't <laughs> uh, they weren't winning any prizes for beauty or for silky soft coats or anything, but they survived. But just adding a raw cracked egg right over the top of a healthy kibble. I'd do better than Purina. I'd go get something that wasn't based on byproducts nowadays, knowing what I know, but just cracking an egg or two over that diet or adding some finely macerated uh, kale from uh, a blender that you blended up with some water to the tune of maybe 10 or 20% of the meal. Um, You've just improved that healthy kibble by a thousand percent. It's way, way better with something fresh added. I go to the butcher shop and I get beef liver, beef hearts, all that. And I chop it up and I put it in my, because I have three cats as well as two dogs and I give it to the different animals. And it's, it's so funny because they always know I'm that animal lady, you know, walking into the butcher because I've never bought one thing for myself in there. (laughs) One day I promised myself. So do you have one thing you'd like to leave us with? Because unfortunately, we're about out of time here. It went so quickly. But one thing you'd like to impress upon us? Well, yeah, I I would just say, um, think about tracking your animal symptoms. This is something as a homeopathic vet that I have my clients all do. So if you have something that's popping up over and over again, my dog chews her feet and she does it in the morning. When she wakes up every morning, she chews her feet. Start a list of those things, and you can kind of rank them by the things that are most bothersome and most kind of pull your animal out of just normal, happy-go-lucky living. And keep a diary going forward. And as you see some of these things that repeat over and over again, you've got fodder for seeking out help with a homeopathic vet. And I've got a resources page that's on my site, easy to find, just recommended resources. And on there, you can find a listing of homeopathic vets. Those are the ones who've studied homeopathy, this amazing science. And you can find one, maybe not in your neighborhood, but somebody who would work with you by telephone. And you share that list with them, and they'll coach you on how to give the proper remedy that helps to kind of unwind that. And... um the, the sooner you start doing something like that before you decide you've got to vaccinate more and more and more and, you know, give devitalized foods and give poisons every month, um, the, the more likely you are to have a long-lived, what I call a vital animal. Thank you so much, Dr. Will Falconer of The Vital Animal, uh, the naturopath at vitalanimal.com. That's vitalanimal.com. You can join the back for free at vitalanimal.com. Thank you so much for hanging out with me on Body, Mind, Body, Pause, Holistic Living for You and Your Animals. I'm Charlie Kale. Check out my Reiki business, Energy Healing for People on Pause at charliekale.com. And please connect with me on social media. And remember, no matter what's going on with your animals, don't beat yourself up thinking you could have done better because you're doing the best you can. Bye till next time.
Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.